0: Nothing fights the winter bloz better than thinking about springtime and the game of baseball, which is right around the corner. And as we think about that and prepare for the great game, we have an author on that's going to talk about some great baseball history. His name is Alan Zogonski, and he's on to tell us all about his new book in just a moment. Hi, my name's Darren Hayes, and I know you've heard me on the Pigskin Dispatch talking about football history for years. Well, now I'm on a new mission, a quest to find sports history in other sports, as well as football, by learning through the jerseys and the apparel and the gear that the players wore and the franchises supplied their teams. It's an educational trip, and I'm taking you with me day by day, player by player, uniform by uniform, the Sports Jersey Dispatch.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at SportsHistoryNetwork.com.
0: Hello, my friends of Sports History. This is Darren Hayes of the Sports Jersey Dispatch Podcast. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to all things great in sports history. And we have a great look into that portal today. We're going to go and look at some Baseball, it's not that far off or having people start reporting to training camps uh, here real soon. So it's always a good time to talk about baseball history. And we're going to be talking to a gentleman right here in uh, my backyard of northwestern Pennsylvania that has wrote uh, a couple great books on some local baseball that uh, has some national uh, waves to it as well. Uh, His name is Alan Swagonski. And Alan, welcome to the Pigpen. Thanks, Darren. I appreciate it. Alan, uh, you know you have some great books out there. Of, you know the, on some local Erie baseball, and Erie has really had a lot of uh, great baseball history, which we'll get into in, in just a moment here. But I, sure. I guess uh, first of all, let's tell the the audience what the name of your book is, and uh, maybe give an opportunity where they can uh, look it up to buy it. Oh, absolutely
2: uh the name of there's actually two of them now i just released my second the uh, first book came out in uh, 2020 right before christmas of 2020 and it was called Erie baseball and softball 360 volume one so i was being optimistic back then and then uh, uh just last month i released volume two Erie baseball and softball 360 volume two they're both available at werner books in Erie in liberty plaza uh and that's the only uh, way that people can get it. Although, uh, if you're interested in, in seeing a copy and you're not in Erie, you can always give them a call. If I can leave you a phone number, that
0: way, if you, if
2: people are interested, they can call and uh, we're just available. Sure.
0: I'll, I'll put this phone number in our show notes also. So go ahead. And... Thanks. Area code 814-864-1565. It's 814-864-1565 for Warner Books uh, to get a copy of Alan's book. Now, the, the 360 in the name of both your books is kind of an interesting twist. I, I take it that's uh, going to be a, a full circle. Yeah, absolutely. It, it,
2: it suggests that uh, we're approaching the topic from all points of view. And uh, I get all those points of view from supplementing my research and my personal stories with interviewing people. And it's their stories that provide that 360 perspective, different way of looking at baseball and softball in
0: Erie. Yeah, most definitely. Now, I, I have been a, a part of uh, both of those my, myself. You know, I'm a long lifelong resident of Erie County and, uh, you know, a little bit more of a softball player than a baseball player. Not very good, but had a heck of a lot of but boy, we, we had a lot of softball back, uh, you know, probably 30 years ago and baseball happening around the city.
2: If you can picture the old ballpark at 11th and Hess, uh, fans would fill the stands and uh, line three or four deep across the outfield fences just to watch their favorite fast pitch softball players. And the tournaments attracted talent from all around the world, not just the country.
0: Yeah. What, what was it? It was a, a big, it was a Memorial day tournament they had. Yeah. It was the, the yeah, big carpet, one. The
2: carpet tournament. And it was hosted by my uh, f- a friend that I found uh, through this project, Bruce Bauman. We've got to be very good friends until we lost Bruce uh, a short time ago uh, last year. But um, he graces both volume one and volume two, probably the the best storyteller that I've come across during the project and a dear friend that uh, was instrumental in sustaining fast pitch softball and sponsoring other teams and leagues and even uh, ran the Erie Codgers league. That's still thriving of uh, players that are 50 years and older. So that's another contribution Mm -hmm. from Bruce and that those, uh, those games are still played at that field at 11th and half. So, some of the guys that played at, their, at the height of their careers, the fast pitch tournaments are still gracing the field uh, in their 70s and 80s, a couple in their
0: 90s. Wow, that, that is truly amazing. Well, before we get too much into the, the history in the book, why don't we learn a little bit about you? you know, what, what drove you to your love of baseball and softball?
2: Yeah, My dad and my, my brothers uh, played probably from my dad. He was a very talented baseball player. He was uh, actually uh, uh, a, a very powerful hitter and good first baseman. He had uh, professional prospects until World War II came across. He ended up at Iwo Jima instead of minor league ball. Um, so that was it. <laughs> but uh, his hitting talent did not uh, pass down to me. Uh, my brothers were good hitters, um, Leo and Larry. Um and um, I write about them in the book, too, some fun stories from growing up. Um, I pitched. I was a, I, I, uh, was good enough to play industrial ball and pitch, so I loved it. But I couldn't hit the ball to save my life.
0: <laughs> well, that's a, a story of, of many of us. You know, that's the, the downfall. That's why we're not uh, getting paid the big bucks uh, playing, you know, in stadiums around the country and in, in Major League <laughs> Baseball, right?
2: But having grown up in the Lower East Side, I was right by that ball field at 11th and Hess, so that's where we played sandlot ball and had so much fun. Um, Through the years, um, I played as much softball as I could while I was working, but uh, eventually uh, that gave way to uh, having to travel for my work, and I kind of got out of the game a little bit. I was always, though, a big fan of baseball, the local minor league team, the Erie Sailors, back in the 60s and the Seawolves more currently. Um, I was involved uh, with Team Erie back in the 90s, the group that actually spearheaded the effort to get uh, the new ballpark built, uh, working with Jerry Ut and some other uh, leaders in Erie that uh, pulled together and um, actually started the project to try to save baseball by upgrading the old Ainsworth field a facility that's over 100 years old near his west side. But uh, having understood quickly that the minor league standards wouldn't um, be sustainable at Ainsworth, we switched gears and uh, undertook a five-year effort to get um, what became Jerry Hood Park, now it's UPMC Park, uh, built. And it's been successful ever since with AA Baseball as an affiliate of the Tigers.
0: Well, I, I can personally, uh, as an Erie, you know, thank you and your your cohorts for the efforts. Uh, I grew up right near Ainsworth Field. Um, really? Yeah, I grew. Uh, I was on Twenty First and Cranberries where, where I lived growing up. So we're I, gonna have to talk, Darren. We're gonna have to talk.
2: Uh, my next project, uh, I'll tease it right now. Volume three is very much Ainsworth centric. I'm be focusing on the history. I do touch on it quite a bit in Volume One and Volume Two some stories you would recognize, but volume three would dive into it a little deeper going back to the history of the field um, uh, and bringing it up to current day where it's used for scholastic ball and the Glenwood league. Um, the Glenwood league being the longest running amateur baseball in the world uh, going on a hundred years plus. Uh, so still some very good ball being played on a very old field that needs some love. So Part of what I'm trying to do is remind people we have a gem of a field there on the west side that's decaying, needs some love, and I'm encouraging Erie to do something about it. So that's a big part of the future.
0: Yeah, well, let me let me just paint a picture to, to folks what uh, you know the what, what you just described going from Ainsworth Field and minor league ball to going to UPMC, you know, park that we have now um in in all its renovations but Ainsworth like you said it's over 100 years old and it's uh it's a very traditional ballpark but all all cement in the grandstands and I can just remember climbing those giant uh cement stairs you know I guess there was a staircase too but there was sort of you're sitting on the cement a lot of the time I know sure and and uh we went through like you said in the 60s we had some some minor league uh teams called the sailors and then they were came back uh believe in their late seventies, early eighties. And they came back as the sailors, they played some independent ball. And then we got a taste of a single a baseball with the, the Cardinals organization. We had the Erie Cardinals and uh, they, they played at Ainsworth and it's, it's hard to believe that back, you know, 40 some years ago, they were playing minor league ball at Ainsworth and they really yeah. had it fixed up really pretty nice for, for the Cardinals to play there. And th- then, um, you know you and your your cohorts and uh, you know everybody got the the ball rolling and got a, a, a what was a ver- first called Jerry Park who was instrumental as you mentioned earlier and and you know helping to organize get this uh, stadium built uh, down in our our old downtown shopping district I believe is where the the Sears store used to be is the location if I'm not That's mistaken right it was right, right. In there somewhere. And uh, right, right next to our, our civic center that was built probably in the early '80s, I think, was when that opened. And uh, you know, it's a really a fantastic ballpark. Uh, now the, U- the UPMC is what it's called now, and uh, they've done some renovations recently. It's just just tremendous for a small town and having you know minor league baseball. It's it's an excellent venue to to watch. But yeah, they did it right. But like you say, Ainsworth has just got that something special about it because it's it's so old and it's still uh, you know so so storied and has so many memories for folks like you and I that have been around it for for generations. So uh, maybe uh, if you could, I know you're going to re- talk about it in your next book, but maybe uh, tell us some of your memories of Ainsworth.
2: Oh, wonderful memories of Ainsworth Field. Um, the first real ballpark that I saw Uh, and I remember seeing the first game when Erie would have been uh, a member of the Tigers organization back in the early 60s with uh, Dick McAuliffe and Jake Wood and and, uh, players like that that were uh, Buck Rogers that uh, fielded a very competitive team and I remember uh, some of those teams coming through it was it was pro-baseball at its finest, so I was just really taken by the, the whole aura of it, the professionalism on the field, the all the people in the stands, the sights, the smells, the whole thing. I just drank it all in. I loved it instantly. Um, by the time my dad took us to our first major league game in Cleveland, I thought I died and went to baseball heaven, <laughs> but Ainsworth was my first introduction. I'll never forget it. And I went back there to games um, throughout their different editions uh, of the team when they were uh, affiliates of the Orioles and Cardinals. And the uh, first rendition of the Miami Marlins was a single-A team in Erie. Uh, that was uh, uh, the Erie Sailors. John Lynch, the Hall of Fame football uh, player and GM of the 49ers, pitched that first game. So I have a vivid memory of that. Um, so a lot of great, great memories. Um, the people I uh, attended with, that I worked with, or my friends and my family, and as many games as I could get to. So it's hard to hard to go back. I went to a game recently as part of uh, Volume Two. I was interviewing different folks affiliated with the Glenwood League, and. Uh, I was saddened to see that the field's
0: in bad shape. The grandstand is in bad shape. Well, why don't we shift gears a little bit and let's talk about, uh, you, you've mentioned a couple of the, the gentlemen that have played ball here in Erie, uh, you know, either th- going through the minor leagues or maybe born and raised here. Uh, why don't we talk about some of those uh, individuals that, uh, the, 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 some of the bigger names that people might recognize that, that played uh, baseball, either amateur or professional. Uh, here in Erie.
2: U- yeah, uh, Justin Verlander is a future Hall of Famer, a Cy Young Award winner, a World Series hero. He played briefly in Erie as a member of the Tigers in his first year. Uh, Todd Zeal and Todd Worrell were members of the Erie Cardinals teams um, that that graced the field. Um, oh, my gosh, there are so many. Um, uh, Jim Merritt was part of the Twins uh, playoff team in the 60s and then the Reds' uh, dynasty in the early 70s. Uh, going back even further, there's there's so many players that, um, that uh, my gosh, where do I begin? Dean Stone with the Red Sox and the White Sox was uh, a unique player that I, I talk about in Volume 1 that actually uh, won an All-Star game without recording it out. Uh, base runner was picked off, and he was able to be the winning pitcher without actually getting anybody. Yeah, which is kind of unique. Yeah, that is neat. Uh, Lance Johnson is a, a player that that I admired uh, as part of the Erie SeaWolves. There's some guys. Uh, there were o- over 20 players that premiered in Major League Ball last year alone that uh, started out in Erie, and some of them took a long and winding road. Uh, Winton Bernard took 11 or 12 years in the minors before his call up and uh, he finally made it to the major leagues after the very lengthy period of time bouncing around different systems so he finally got a chance and did very well he's now with the Toronto organization so it'll be interesting to see him develop um, players like that I love as much as the stars seeing guys grind it out in the minors and then work their way up to the major leagues is a is a real thrill. Kirby, Kirby Farrell is another player that started in Erie and was a manager of the in- Indians, now the guardians, but he was a, the tribe manager for quite a while. Another big name. Um, oh my gosh. There's, there's so many. I, I um, have a baseball card collection and, and the collection is of all guys that had baseball cards that that played in Erie. And there's, there's hundreds of them. Ted Yolander and Frank Quillacy from the old Twins. Pat Kelly uh, played in Erie as a member of the Twins and eventually uh, starred for the White Sox, Indians, and Orioles. His brother was Leroy Kelly, the Hall of Fame running back for the Browns. Pete Rose Jr. played on the Erie Orioles. Yes, Pete's son, Uh, the Hall of Famer's boy, um, was much like its father in terms of his spunk and and his uh personality uh didn't didn't do too well although he did make it to the majors for a brief time with the reds so it was kind of neat watching him play
0: there's yeah, so many i i can remember back in the 80s we, we had a, a gentleman by the name of tom lawless that uh oh yeah went the Erie, Erie ranks and and did pretty well for himself
2: Yes, yeah, St. Vincent High School and the Glenwood League and uh, eventually a World Series hero for the Cardinals with a bat flip after Homer that is in baseball history. Very good. Yeah, it's it's, it's great uh, to see some of these folks uh, pass through the ranks. There's a couple of uh, eerie guys. Uh, Chris Vallemont pitched for Mercyhurst. Um, he's uh, with the Orioles right now in their spring training camp this week probably today reporting for his first day in that organization. Um, John Costello uh, pitched for Mercyhurst and then for the Erie Cardinals in the 70s. Um, and um, the current commissioner, Trish uh, of the Glamwood League, Trish DeSanti-Behm, her um, her family's a big baseball family. Her brother actually was a part of the battery at Mercyhurst. He was the catcher for Costello. So, she has a, a, a legacy to fulfill there as commissioner wow. and she's also a reason for my optimism that there's better days ahead there's some great people um involved with the glenwood league that i've gotten to know through the books and that gives me reason for optimism it also gives me motivation knowing what they've invested in the past sam jethro is one of the most famous here guys he played in the negro leagues Eventually, uh, he was at the age of thirty plus before he got a chance to play for the, the Milwaukee Braves, and he ended up to be Rookie of the Year, fastest player in in Major League Baseball, even at that age. And uh, I remember one of my very first Glenwood League games that I saw as a youngster was him pitching on a team that he managed. So that was a thrill for me to watch uh, somebody like Sam Jethro. Uh, part of the allure of Ainsworth Field and the history is what it has to do not just with the Glenwood League and the minor league ball, but also the Negro leagues. Uh, Erie had a, a black team that was called the Erie Pontiacs, and they um, played against uh, the Negro leagues and barnstorming teams, and uh, we're very, very proud of that history. And uh, I try to highlight that in my books as well great players like Sam Jethro and True Heart Pietros and Willie Grace was a great, great player. A lot of guys came over from the Cleveland Buckeyes in the Negro Leagues to play in area near the end of their career. And uh, that that left such a mark that it's important to remember that. Um, if you look at the grandstand at Ainsworth Field today, you'll see two pictures, two portraits up Near the press box, one is Sam Jethro and the other is Babe Ruth. Uh, Babe Ruth being one of the more famous stories I talk about in Volume 1, where as a member of his own barnstorming uh, team, passed through Erie along with Lou Gehrig and some other all-stars and uh, is famous for uh, hitting a Homer so far, traveled over the adjacent Roosevelt School. I actually found the original article from that, so I know it happened. They say it's legend, but I found the article he, digging in. He the hit original.
0: it over the school. You said over the school. Wow! And, and well, and folks, at
2: least onto the roof, onto the
0: roof. And, and folks, this school, this school was—I mean, it t- it took the whole outfield. You know, it was from left field to, to right field, all the way across, and probably what three or four stories high, four stories tall, four yeah, stories. And all all red brick, and I've I've seen some people hit the school before, which is quite a poke. Yes, you know, back yes. there with the, but uh, to hit it on on the roof, even that that is an amazing shot. And I guess the the salt and the swing is the only one that could probably do that.
2: <laughs> he really nailed it. the The other the interesting thing about Ainsworth, it saw uh, another, I should say, another eerie guy that that is of some renown that I talk about in volume one is Louis Bierbauer, who's responsible for how the Pittsburgh Pirates got their name. Um, the, uh, the Pirates uh, uh, are called Pirates because they stole Bierbauer from the Philadelphia team um, way back in the 20s. Uh, it might have been sooner than that. I'm sorry. But anyway, the um, as the story goes, uh, the owner of the Pittsburgh franchise traveled to Erie actually he negotiated his way across frozen lake erie to visit birbara as its residence on Presque Isle, um and recruited him to come to pittsburgh and uh, in an antagonistic way the folks in philadelphia then labeled that team as the pirates and the fans kind of took to it so it stuck so erie has a role in <laughs> the naming of the pittsburgh pirates
0: yeah, I've heard that story before. It's it's very, very interesting, especially when they said he walked across the lake. And, you know, people are imagining him walking across <laughs> Lake Erie where, where we, you know, we have a portion of Lake Erie here uh, on our peninsula. We have the, the Presque Isle Bay. And like you said, it's probably what he walked across. I don't think you can walk across it this year. It's a little bit too warm for it. But uh, Yeah, it
2: that, the ice wouldn't have been frozen over this year. It would have been too dangerous. But, but uh, yeah, that, that happened.
0: But you, can you imagine if you lived out on Presque Isle, which I assume had to be pretty remote location for people to live on even back in that day, and in the middle of the winter with everything froze up and all of a sudden you hear a knock at your door? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> had to be uh You
2: made it all the way out here, I'm convinced. I'll play for you. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> Amazing story. That's, that's a good one. Because you talked about how Babe Ruth and Gary got on a barnstorming tour came through and and. Played a, played a ball game here in exhibition. Was there any other instances of some major league yes. talent or major league teams playing some exhibition games here? Yeah,
2: Nap Nap, Nap- away, uh prior it, from the Ruth era uh, brought a barnstorming through team through. I think that was back before Ainsworth Field, uh, which was originally called Athletic Field. There was a ball field on Green Green Garden, and um, that was. Called Perry Field. So I believe it was there. Honus Wagner and Dizzy Dean w- were recruited to come to Erie by Mike Canavino, who hosted them. Um, so I was able to find in the archives, volume two, I'm happy to show a photo of the three of them at Ainsworth Field. Honus Wagner, Dizzy Dean with, with Mike Canavino, an Erie favorite, who was a big not just a uh, a politician in Erie, but a very uh, big promoter in boxing and baseball and sports and, and of Erie. So that, that was a cool find, and it's nice to to remember some of those guys as well having passed through. There's some some real talent that, that has played on that ball field.
0: No, wasn't the the old Glenwood Field? Wasn't that called Canavino Field before they redid the street? Yes, that's true. Okay, yeah. Uh, I have fond memories of that. Uh, that was kind of a. I was just telling one of my my children who you know they they've only seen uh, West Thirty Eighth Street in the condition it is now. They never saw right. how it used to go sort of around the field, and uh, uh, it was kind of a kind of a neat little thing. But I guess it's improved. Uh, but uh, losing the ball field was a was a you know horrible to, to have that happen. Yeah. But uh, it was sad to see it go.
2: It was nice to see another ball field that the the um, Erie Pontiacs played on and Glenwood League. And I believe some um, American Legion ball, I'm not sure, was on the, the West Bay front field. And now it's called Pontiac Field, where they've done some renovations on the lower west side. And uh, so it's nice to see uh, that being used. So there, there's history sprinkled all throughout the city. There's, but Erie's uh, a real baseball town, that's for sure. Softball as well. Um, even though the city rec league that, we, that I had touched on earlier uh, is no longer viable, I am pleased to see that some really good softball is being played by the ladies and women of the area. That's really grown. I'm very happy in both volumes to write about some of the star players and just some of the family connections that color the, the history and the current environment with softball wasn't just the guys, the girls. I even found uh, some clippings about the Erie Skippers, which was an all women's softball team back in the 40s. And uh, it turns out that one of my former teammates in in the Industrial League softball, Andy Kravonik, his dad, Andy, uh, was one of the best hitters in the Glenwood League locally and a uh, member of the Erie Sailors uh, for a time. His wife, Audrey Alice, was uh, one of the star players of the uh, Erie Skippers, and that's how she met her future husband. And that's how he got Andy Jr. Uh, her her uniform with uh, the name Erie emblazoned across the back, along with her old glove from back in that era, are what grace the cover of Volume One.
0: Ah, no kidding! Wow, that, that's quite a. a... A ball playing family. There, are a lot of good uh, ball playing blood and in, in that uh, stock there. So,
2: that, that's just uh, a theme throughout the book. Is a lot of family history. Um, um, that that's a constant theme through through both books. Some of those connections. Paul Yoclin Jr. is now a friend of mine, uh, uh, who coaches uh, coach Mercyhurst High School. His dad also a very fine coach and a talented musician. Paul Yoclin was the um, singer and the younger brothers, the popular band that um, I write in volume one. I actually have a photo in volume one of uh, Paul with his band along with the Beatles as they're hamming it up at the Peppermint Lounge in New York city as the Beatles during their very first stop in the States in 64 uh, were in New York city to appear on TV for the first time. They stopped to see Paul Yachlan and his band. So that, that's an eerie guy. <laughs> yeah, and,
0: I, uh, I I had the, the so great pleasure of meeting uh, both Paul, Paul Yochlins. My my youngest daughter and Paul Junior's daughter uh, went went to school together, so I got we got to go over there for like family birthdays yeah. and things like that. And I got to talk to Paul Senior quite a bit too about his Van Fling days. Cause I, was, I was familiar with the younger brothers, and he, he tells some great stories. He did. Yeah, what a storyteller!
2: What a great man! Yeah.
0: Yeah, we, it was a great loss when we, we lost him a couple of years ago. But, uh, yeah, what, yes, what, sir. A, what an entertainer, that's for sure.
2: But I had a chance to meet him and I was thrilled to be able to do that. Um, we lost him much too early, but at least I had a chance to talk to him. Um, it was wonderful to be able to do that. I had a chance to meet some other uh, uh, people that I had admired uh, growing up. Um, I, I sought out some former umpires, Carl Carlotti, and pete leitner who uh the 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 twin umpires john and jerry Deluca, ap and upi who are working on their own book about Erie baseball uh which will be called uh view from home so you can look for that soon what I'm, a, what a I'm book very very
0: familiar with with a lot of those gentlemen you just talked about because i i was not only I was a football official for many years with both of the, yeah. the Luca brothers, and I, I did. Uh, I was a softball umpire for uh, probably about four or five years, I, I worked with uh, Mr. Carlotti quite a bit, and yeah. and Bob Finney, and, and some of those legends of uh, the umpiring world too. So we had, we had a lot of those guys. Yeah. Walter
2: Litz was my favorite softball player growing up, and I had a chance to meet him. John Fetzner and Mike Fetzner and Pat were were also favorites of mine that I've gotten to know in the process. But um, um, meeting Walt Litz was a thrill. I I had a chance to sit down with him and and have lunch and just reminisce. I remember him uh, as a teammate of my dad's playing in Northeast in an industrial league game and watching in awe as he laid down the bunt on the third baseline and ended up on second base before anybody knew what hit him. He had simply never stopped at first base, realizing that by the time the middle infielders realized what he was doing, they couldn't beat him to the bag. So I I was in awe and I love watching him ever since then. Um, then I found out later that he had played in codger ball with my brother, Larry. And, um, it was so nice to be able to sit down with him and reminisce. And um, what a what a role model.
0: Yeah, you know what I always found amazing. Uh, you know, back growing up and back when I was a young adult, is just uh, just in men's softball. How many different variations of leagues that we had. Uh, here, oh yeah, you know, yeah. We had, yeah, we had good, fast yeah. pitch. We had modified. We had two or three different brands of slow pitch uh, baseball or softball, including the the mountain ball, the big mush ball, yeah, which was an interesting ball. thing. But the, just ball,
2: there, there was church leagues and social service leagues and the women's city rec. You you bet. It was. I touch on uh, as many of those as I can, um, and uh, I, I really. It, had a lot of fun doing that and meeting some some folks that played softball. Some I played against in uh, when I got into City Rec, I was the third pitcher on a two-man staff, which means I never saw the mound. <laughs> uh, um, industrial ball I actually got to play, so I had fun, and some of the guys I played against I was able to look up some and uh, I had worked at GTE and uh, played with some very good uh, softball players. Just in the industrial league with them, uh, John Fetzner and Mike Peterson, uh, Chet Donakowski, um, Randy Colish, uh some some very very good softball players that uh, were much better than I was, but I had I had so much fun.
0: All right. Well, we talked, we've talked a lot about the, the history of baseball, softball in Erie. Let, let's talk a little bit about the future. You know, you talked a little bit, you know, want to get some renovations done to to Ainsworth field to have uh, some of the, the amateur players have a, a better place to to play ball. Um, where, where do you see a uh, baseball and softball going in the future in your area? Well, I, what I'm seeing is uh,
2: more attention throughout the region. Um, I try to emphasize what's going on in the county of Erie and the region, not just the city, um, and I found that there's been so much put into uh, maintaining the fields and getting lights installed. Volume one, I talk about the field at Northwestern that Johnny Light was responsible for. And um, those type of efforts, uh, as I learned about it, watching Union City, uh, the girls softball team have such success the past few years. I I touch on that in volume two. Um, So what I'm seeing is um, um, a growth in the girls game and in in women's softball. Uh, There's more um, facilities available to them, Erie being a cold weather winter. Uh, It's a disadvantage over warm weather uh, cities. But people like Dennis Brandel have opened up uh, spots in a warehouse at at his uh, um, Brandel Home Services. Um, He has carved out space in his warehouse so teams can practice there. He's done that for years. And other facilities uh, are actually growing. And that's really gratifying that the kids are are being encouraged from T-ball to the travel teams. I've, I touch on that in volume two. My goodness, uh, the dedication and the, um, uh, the coaching that's available now is actually thriving, in my opinion. So uh, pro baseball is doing well. We've got UPMC Park taking care of for the long term, and the Seawolves are under a 10-year agreement with the Tigers. We're good. Ainsworth Field, I can only hope um, that it's simply something I would like to do. Those are all encouraging signs. I I don't see Sandlot Ball. It breaks my heart going by the old ball fields that I played on, and they're empty. It's killing me. I want to see uh, more programs, especially for inner-city youth. some outreach done. I know the Police Athletic League does a lot of things with sports, and I'm hopeful they'll do more with baseball and softball. Perhaps that's something that we can get involved in in the future. I would definitely like to support them. The Boys and Girls Club does a lot. And uh, um, they're always interested in new things. So I'm hopeful for the future uh, that uh, these um, are resources for kids and it can grow the sandlot aspects. There is stuff being done. uh, Some of the leagues, like in Harbor Creek, where they have T-ball and uh, different age groups of, of instruction is outstanding and um, doesn't always get a lot of publicity. Boys baseball is gone, but little league baseball is not. Uh, boys baseball uh, was a local eerie thing that thrived for many years and developed many great players and uh, built better boys, as their motto said. Uh, there's stories about some, some of the players and coaches and leaders from, from that era, the, um, um, th- the little leagues are different but still there and I'm uh, still very hopeful, especially on the softball side. The uh, city Rec softball is gone, but the, on the again on the girls and ladies side it's just absolutely thriving and growing and these girls are good. If you ever watch one of their a games, you see how talented and dedicated they are. So I like watching them play as well. The Glenwood League is going strong. Um, they're doing better than they have in a long time. And um, I really appreciate the effort of people like Trish, uh, people like John Fetty, who sponsors Tesco, uh, Mr. Brandel, uh, some of the other folks that have kept that league going to where i um, Boy, if we can get that field fixed up a little bit for them, would be nice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, Alan, let's take a, the opportunity again to tell the name of your book, and again, uh, where how people can get a hold of the copy of the book.
2: Yes, it's Erie Baseball and Softball Three Hundred and Sixty, Volume One and Volume Two, and they can be obtained through Werner Books, W-E-R-N-E-R Books, in Liberty Plaza in Erie. Their phone number is 814-864-1565. Kyle Sherman and, and his his team there are very accommodating. Uh, he took over recently for Gail Werner, who retired and handed it over to him. Gail was very supportive as I was learning the ropes. Um, I I got some good coaching from people like Chuck Pora and Danny Braybender along the way. I was Anxious to see what worked for them, and they were very generous with their time. Um, hey, do you have time for another quick Ainsworth story? Sure, sure, absolutely. One one of my favorites that I talk about in Volume 1 has to do with uh, Bill Murray, the actor-comedian. He actually, for a time, was part owner of the Erie Sailors. And uh, really? uh, made an appearance, a cameo, ad before one of the games, during one of the games. Uh, he ended up hanging out with Mike Gallagher, uh, the local photographer and uh, sports announcer and uh, editor. Um a very talented guy. Uh, Mike was there to photograph and document the occasion and ended up hanging out with him afterwards. And, and uh, that's in volume one where I tell that story. Um, uh, Bill Murray was just very, very much involved with the fans, spent all kind of time. With, with the fans on the field and in the stands before and during uh, and after the game, very gracious, very approachable. Uh, the people that were there just um, uh, regaled me with such joy about that event. It, it was worth documenting. And Mike, Mike uh, Gallagher was gracious enough to share with me an autographed Sailor's jersey that Bill Murray signed for him and uh, still holds on to this day. It's a nice piece of Erie memorabilia, a nice piece of Ainsworth history. Um, And again, it just shows you some of the colorful aspects of it. Um, I'd be negligent if I didn't mention the fine work that Pat Cuneo did as my editor. Uh, Patrick was a friend going back. Uh, Kevin, his brother, was not just the sports writer and editor for the Erie paper. He was a former classmate of mine at prep. And I got to know Patrick as well and your brother Jimmy too uh patrick uh very talented um very talented he's at the jefferson educational society now doing some fine work but he edited both of the books for me and made my writing look professional that would not have happened without him
0: Hey, that's always those folks that are they're doing the dirty work to make uh, us look a lot better, huh? When you have those editors. So, well, Alan uh, Swagonski, I thank you very much for for sharing pat uh, the, the, your favorite pastime and uh, some local history here in Erie, and uh, letting the rest of the world enjoy it, our little touch of heaven that we have here on the the ball fields of Erie and uh, appreciate you writing these books and preserving the the baseball and softball history. And uh, sir, appreciate your time for sharing with us today. Yeah. Thank you so much, Darren.